He spent 12 seasons in the National Football League, an all-pro defensive end by way of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Pete Train, Bertrand Perry. <clears throat> and uh, Mike Gross. It's Train and Gross on the No Pull Podcast Network. Welcome in. <laughs> Train and Gross. Yeah, that, yeah. That big voice guy really likes you, man. Yeah. Apparently so. All up, man. We're in the quiet week between uh, conference championships and the Super Bowl. Thanks for finding us. Follow us on Twitter at Train and Gross. Good stuff coming out there. Yeah. Sean, Sean did a nice job on the, uh, <laughs> the promo. <laughs> that was Listen, good. If you forget that did a complete one eighty. Yeah, if you forget that your friend played in the Super Bowl, you I get called forget. out for that. I did not forget. <laughs> you get called out for that. I think it was worse. We're doing a podcast together. I wasn't listening. Like wow. I assumed. Wow. One of the teams that. Never mind. All I'll tell you is Karen Karen saw what Sean tweeted out. Uh-huh. She laughs. She goes, I know. <laughs> he, he doesn't listen. Hold hey, my beer. Hey, coming up on the podcast in our next segment, we'll head to Houston and yeah. uh, catch up with a guy you know. Very good friend. guy that's covered Houston sports for over 45 years, John McClain from the yeah. Houston Chronicle, also the sports talk radio down there. So we look forward to catching up with John, talking to him about this story that uh, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface on. Uh, the Houston Texans, uh, well, the, all of Houston. Yeah, Houston, we have a huge problem, Mike. My right. home city is a mess as far as sports teams are yeah. concerned. And uh, obviously front and center for that right now is the Houston Texans, sure. what happens with Deshaun Watson, so we'll talk about that. But the big news came this weekend, uh, no football obviously being played, and Detroit Lions made a splash. Uh, we, you know, we, we knew it was coming. Uh, trading Matthew Stafford, they apparently came to an agreement that the Lions accommodate Matthew Stafford. A little bit different than what's going on in Houston, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it kind of sets the market about what you're going to look for if you're the Houstons if you ultimately do decide to move on and trade Deshaun Watson. Uh, Matthew Stafford goes to the uh, from the Lions to the Rams for a couple of first-round picks, uh, a third-round pick, and and a quarterback, I guess. <laughs> but the yeah. the issue there is – they were really being compensated for taking that contract on. Yeah. I mean, that, that was really it. The other thing that I think you see at or saw at play in Detroit that I don't know that you'll necessarily see if Houston decides to move on is Detroit did their best to accommodate Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford and his wife have a home in Southern California. It was someplace he desperately wanted to go. And apparently, you know, people are out there now saying that Washington put a better deal on the table. Carolina put a better deal on the table. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, but mm-hmm. sources tell us. Right. But the Lions wanted to accommodate Matthew Stafford and were able to do so by way of the trade to the Los Angeles Rams. It just seems so convenient that you had a guy in Matthew Stafford going out to L.A. who, by the way, his best friend who he went to high school with is one of the all-time best yep. pitchers with the Dodgers in Clayton Kershaw. So there's a little bit of a, of a, a reunion in that respect. But I think this was more of – you had an organization done with the quarterback mm-hmm. and a quarterback done with the organization. And I thought both of those two entities came together, they found common ground, and they were able to pull this thing off, Mike. I, for Matthew Stafford, I don't think anybody in Detroit can have a negative thing to say no. about Matthew Stafford. I think he did as much as he could do given what he had surrounded him as far as talent, as far as coaching. Uh, this thing was never really – a. a 
a steady foundation. You never felt like this was the start of something really big yeah. for the Detroit Lions, and yet Matthew Stafford still put up numbers, and, and he's widely respected around the NFL. And even amongst quarterbacks, he's still considered one of those guys that has an elite type of arm. So he's going to get his opportunity to to play with the coach that – quite frankly, is, is going to be a guy that is going to get a lot of eyes on him because you've basically said a number one overall pick that got you to a Super Bowl wasn't good enough, and now we're going to take another team's guy who he was a former number one overall pick, but he hadn't done anything in the right. playoffs. So this is going to be one of those stories that is going to continue to play out throughout the course of next season. I'll take a step back. As, as somebody who's from Detroit, pay attention to the Lions. The one thing that you – in retrospect, whatever you say about Matthew Stafford and his tenure in Detroit, you hear the term, leave it all on the field. You look at this guy, and I don't think as a fan of the Detroit Lions, you ever felt cheated right. by what Matthew Stafford gave you. Kind of like a Russell Westbrook. A lot like a Russell Westbrook, where it didn't necessarily translate into wins and losses for the Lions, not necessarily Matthew Stafford's fault. When you, To your point you made, you look at who he was surrounded with, you look at the coaching staff, some of them that he had to work mm. with. So I don't, you know, none of that you can, you can put on him. But when you look at him, and, and in this day and age where it's so easy to criticize, in this case, professional athletes, you know, oh, they make all this money and he won't play with a hangnail. You, you know it. Right. Right. You never thought that about Matthew Stafford. I mean, there were, there, there's a highlight uh, that they played uh, of the Browns game where he was literally knocked out yeah. and came back in yeah. and ran the ball in for a game-winning touchdown a couple <laughs> plays later. Yeah. So you do not question the effort and what you got from, from Matthew Stafford. And you hope maybe that this is a sea change with the Lions' ownership uh, and you look at uh, how bad it's been and for how long – I mentioned last time on the podcast, Calvin Johnson said in a recent interview, he can't even go in the building. Like, he does not even want to entertain any type of reconciliation right now with the Lions. I imagine as he gets older and people come and go out of that building that maybe that'll change. Mm -hmm. Time heals all wounds as it did with Barry Sanders, but it was a while before he ever went back. And maybe if what you hear and read in the Detroit media that, again, they wanted to accommodate Matthew best they could, he didn't want to be part of another rebuild. Um, and, again, put him in a place where he wants to go, I think that's a good sign, uh, but we'll see. We'll see because the proof's in the pudding, and it comes by way of wins and losses. And flip side, what you said with, with uh, you know, his situation in Los Angeles. Now, I understand uh, as, you know, again, somebody that watches him in Detroit, pressure's on. Yes. You don't go to the Rams and, you know – and just think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to come easy because there are high expectations that you look at to the point that you made earlier. I mean, they dealt away a guy who took him to a Super Bowl and said, sorry, you're not good enough any longer. So that's the, that's the base. That's, that's the standard. Yeah. That, that's the bare minimum. You've got to get to a Super Bowl now yeah. in order for this to be considered a win. And I think about Detroit and what is it with those stars, those all-time great players that, that only play for – 10-plus years, and then they're out. Barry Sanders, 10 years. You look at Megatron. He didn't play but more than double digits. I think, did he play nine or ten? I think it was nine. I thought it was nine. Nine years, yeah. So they don't, that, they don't play as long. And then Matthew Stafford, the longest tenured. But of those three guys, 11 playoff appearances as far as games, that, that to me is mind-boggling to think about those yep. type of talents that are now going elsewhere or no longer with that organization and, and feel some sort of way. So – it, 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 it really is going to be interesting to see this thing play out. And I almost think that this is somewhat of a Tom Brady effect. You're Tom Brady. You're an older quarterback. 
things have run its course in your 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 franchise where you had so much success and where you're known and you made your name for the most part and then you go somewhere else and immediately he goes to a Super Bowl I think there's going to be a lot of copycat if you will from these veteran quarterbacks that are maybe unhappy in their situations and they're going to try to do the same things but you're not going to always catch that lightning in the bottle like Tom did he just seems to always have his finger on when is the right time to make a move yeah no I think you're right and and you and I were talking it's the Amazon effect yeah you know you need to deliver quickly yeah and if not you know teams are showing that they're going to pull the trigger and they're going to move on even yeah. with even with quarterbacks that have gone to a Super Bowl. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. I mean, before it was the the term franchise quarterback was exactly that. Right. Right. You played your whole fran- your whole career there. And, and I think that the times are changing. And uh, uh, like I said, it, the 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 bar is is certainly high in Los Angeles. The expectations are high for Matthew right. Stafford, but at the same time, I feel like he 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 knows what he's getting himself into when he sure. asked for this trade. And I think if you just look at it, obviously on paper, what he's got around him just at the start, you know, what we know about the Rams lineup on both sides of the ball. Like he's in a much better situation. So come in and work with a guy that uh, has had great success in his tenure with the Rams at the head coach position. So I look at it and I say, look, I think, you know, if this is a place he's going to go, um, this, this, this is – I think it's a good landing spot for him. It I is. Mean, personally. A, it, yeah. Yeah, it gives him a chance to do what he was not able to do in Detroit, I think, is the bottom line. But th- if this doesn't go well, Mike, they're going to look at Sean McVay. They're not going to look at Matthew Stafford. Well, at some point you have to, right? Yes, because he's the one that said, I did not want Jared Goff anymore. That basically was his call. He is the guy that, that has a lot of say in personnel. I know Les Snead is general manager, and, and he's the guy that – you know, they have to run things by, but – You know how that conversation went. Right. Can't I work, want him out. I can't, can't work, work with him with anymore. Yeah. yeah, he's got to go. So, if you can't work with a guy that got you to a Super Bowl, this guy better get you there and some. Nine years for Calvin Johnson wow. in a Detroit Lions uniform. Wow. Right? That just seems that, – that's unfathomable to me. 11,500 yards in nine years and said, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. Barry Sanders was still very productive, 10 years and out. I, I mean – Mike, your your hometown's got. I thought Houston had problems. Yeah, Detroit's got some problems, brother. You look at it. Mm. My goodness. So speaking of Houston, what does the trade of Matthew Stafford to the Rams do in terms of setting the standards, setting the market? Mm-hmm. If the uh, Texans decide to move on from Deshaun Watson, because I feel like you, you swap quarterbacks in this move, but the sure. Lions were compensated right. for taking on the contract. Yep, that's really what this deal was. Yes, they. They, they got the Rams out of that. Yeah, I, I think what that does, though, Mike, it, it takes two less suitors out of the, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. There, there's a two franchises now that have their quarterbacks for the future. They don't need a quarterback. So those are two less options for the Houston Texans to do business with or for Deshaun Watson to decide, mm-hmm. hey, this may be a team that may suit my, my, my needs and, and, and I would like to go and play for them. Those, those teams are now out of the equation, so – you know, now instead of 25, there's 23. And what about the – what does that say if, if you look at it? Because the Rams very successful under Coach McVay and doing it without first-round draft picks. They're using first-round draft picks essentially as leverage, as capital, whatever you want to call it. You know, and you go out there and say, look, if you look at the 2021 draft coming up, right? Yep. You know, not that, not that they would have necessarily been able to move up and around, but is there a quarterback – 
in that draft that would give you immediately what Matthew Stafford gives you walking on the field? And I think the answer to that is no. So then you make that decision, move the draft picks. And I actually think it's next year's draft that's the first pick, but just to make the point. And so um, if you say that about Matthew Stafford, certainly you're saying it about Deshaun Watson because here's a guy that's performing at an exceptionally high level and is a handful, eight, seven, eight years younger (laughs) than Matthew Stafford. Seven years. Yeah, so the – the, the price tag has to be astronomical. Seven years younger and on under contract for five more years. Yeah. So he is as ideal a piece as far as getting a haul back that you could find. I mean, there, there isn't a better contract out there than a Deshaun Watson. And, and I, I, I don't know if you're the Texans how you could have botched this this bad. This is as bad as it gets when you talk about a guy that – is beloved, and I do mean beloved, Mike, in the city of Houston, you, you're not going to necessarily win the, the PR battle when you start talking about getting rid of a guy who is that popular and mm-hmm. that well-loved, and, and uh, I can't wait. I really can't wait to hear my man John McClain go off on this one because I'm sure he's as well-connected as you will find in the city of Houston, and I'm sure he's got a lot to say. And, uh, you know, again, if you're, if you're one of those, to your point, about two teams being out hmm. – the other teams around the league looking and thinking, no, Deshaun Watson is a guy that I want to invest in because it will be an investment, whatever that move is. This happened, quick, I believe, more quickly than I thought it would. We talked about last time the dominoes starting to fall, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's the other thing. I didn't think it'd be Matthew Stafford would be the first domino. I, I was surprised by that. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. I, I I really believe, I, you know, and again, I, I hate to do this because, you know, I've been burned too many times as a, as a Detroiter. <laughs> you know, maybe this is the Lions finally saying, you know what, we, we need to we need to send the right messages, start to send the right message, and let's, let's take care of them. Because, again, take the football part out of it. You know, you mentioned it, Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw. Uh, the, apparently the Staffords have a home in Southern California. I mean, this was something that, you know, when you look at where their des- destination Mm-hmm. of choice was mm-hmm. the Rams were mm-hmm. right at the top of the list. Makes a lot of sense. And so to be, make that happen, to make it happen quickly, sure. um, maybe it was the right sign by the Lions ownership, so help me, I'll probably regret ever saying that. Yeah. But you're right. It, 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 I was surprised it was Stafford, but just that the dominoes started falling this quickly. Super Bowl hasn't even played yet. And to be clear, the trade, has it's agreed to, it's, it's not official Right. Until uh, March, I forget what the date is. Like whenever they can do it, or something yeah. like that. You know, unless somebody pulls a Cleveland Browns and forgets to uh, submit the paperwork, yeah, it's a done deal. because yeah. uh, you know, agreement in principle, I guess, is what we call it. That's so, right. Um, but again, you know, worth keeping an eye on. But that puts the pressure out there now because a the market's been set and the first domino has fallen. And this shows you just how important the quarterback position is in the NFL. When you, you're not talking about this type of situation if it's not a quarterback. Khalil Mack was probably as close to this situation as you could get. And I know my man Sean is giving me the side eye over there, but I I hate to bring up old stuff. But you start talking about a guy that's a face of the franchise and saying, hey, I'm not happy. I don't want to be here. Remember, he gave the Oakland Raiders, then Oakland Raiders, the silent treatment, and and he never spoke again to, to, uh, you know, the the, – front office that he didn't speak to John Gruden he, he didn't speak to anybody and the next time that he spoke he was a member of the Chicago Bears so who knows how this thing is going to play out but this is definitely one of those situations where you're either a quarterback or you're one of the top players in the entire league because not every player gets this type of treatment the other thing uh to, to factor into and to watch is the salary cap 
Because there's some thought. It was at I believe 175 million ish. Mm-hmm. Well, 175 is the floor. So they agreed upon a floor. They will not go below 175. Thought right now is that it's going to be 180 plus. But if you consider where they were expecting it to be, mm-hmm. 220, That's it's a significant drop off. Regardless. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much, Sean Crespin. Uh, and. The other thing that you look at is what this trade means to the respective teams. And the Rams set a record, an NFL record on this trade. It's the highest uh, single dead cap hit in the history of the NFL, $22.2 million Mm. for Mm. getting rid of Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, if you're – if you're Jared Goff, you have to feel some kind of way. But I I think if you're Matthew Stafford, you kind of look at this like, hey – I know if I can go there and I can yeah. play well, I know they're paying. You, and they pay a lot you, for their quarterback. And you so. better play well very quickly because you've got that $20 million on the books for dead cap money this year. It's the Tom year, Brady right? effect. But you also have $27 million tied up in Aaron Donald, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But 22 in Jalen Ramsey, 14 in Cooper Cup, 13 in Robert Woods, 11 in Andre Whitworth. You're gonna, you've got a small window. Matt Stafford probably has five, six years left of football yes, in him. Right. But in terms yes. of where you're, how you're built yep. with no draft picks, yes. you've got a small window. And so I heard this earlier on, on, on a show on ESPN where they said that the Rams will now go eight straight years without a number one pick. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the margin for error for the Los Angeles Rams is slim to none. You cannot afford injuries. You can't afford guys uh, disgruntled and, and not playing well. This thing has to go well for 16 straight weeks because if it doesn't, you don't have very much on the as far as on the bench to come in and 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 rally the troops. Yeah, how do you put anything around them? You know, you but you have to on the draft picks you do have. You got to hit on some of those because you need team friendly rookie contracts on the books because. Everything's tied up in those top five players I just mentioned. That's a huge portion of the salary cap. If it's let's say it's one eighty five, yeah. and you got a quarterback that's taking twenty seven, yep. Aaron Donald taking twenty seven, hell, that's only leaving a hundred left there. <laughs> like, what do you do at that point? Listen, one injury to any of those guys you just talked about, and it is over for the Los Angeles Rams. It is, but also, and again, far be it for me to defend the Rams. You know, it's working. I mean, for now, to your point, the window is what it is, but. You're in that window. They made the playoffs, uh, and they did it last year with one, of the, highest, with one of the highest uh, draft uh, dead cap hits. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they're getting it's it done. Don Gurley's hit, right? Are you talking about? Uh, Brandon uh, – I need to look Cooks. at it. Crooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his was over 20. Wow, for a wide yeah. out? Ouch. Yeah. So they're getting it done. You know, and again, they're using the draft picks as assets. Yes. It's not a long-term asset. It allows you to go out and get something. But but to your point, Sean, also, you know, the, the fact that you don't have a first pick, that shrinks your your your, your rookie pool too, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, the pressure's on. I, I, let me say this. this. This almost feels like it's a, a pressure situation for the Rams to be relevant in Los Angeles. They've got to win now because, one, you just built that stadium that they need to fill out because you know, eventually they're going to have people back in the stands. And you've got you, you've to win the attention – of that L.A. fan base because right now there are a lot of things ahead of the Los Angeles Rams as far as things to do on a, on a weekend. And the NFL. I mean, it's the NFL is an afterthought in L.A. still. I mean, you were a yeah. divisional round playoff team this year. I mean, that's not catching your attention. You know, these should have already had your attention. You're a divisional round playoff team this year. Not in L.A. Not in you L.A. because you're still behind the Lakers. You're still behind the Clippers. 
You're behind the Dodgers now. There is a lot of things, and you're behind the weather and Hollywood. There, there's still a lot to do so in L.A. Chargers are starting to make some noise. You look too, at the, right? but I mean, just look at the sport landscape. The TV ratings in 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 Los Angeles are not doing what the the NFL thought they would. Yeah, they're not doing what they thought they would. So, yeah. all right, uh, real quickly before we get out of here, um, business side as always comes back to business in the NFL. Yep. Um, you're on the Rams right now, mm-hmm. and they come to you and say, "Hey, we need help." You know, we did all these moves. Mm-hmm. You're a veteran. You're eight, nine, ten years into it. We need some help. Redo the deal. Help us out. What's your What's your mindset as a veteran player there? If I'm a veteran player, it's got to be in signing bonus. I'm not taking less money. You can You can put it in a bonus and give it to me now, as opposed to later. Mm-hmm. But I'm not taking less money to help somebody else out because that guy's not going to help me out when I have situations and bills to pay at home. So. I can restructure that contract, but only in the fact that you're giving me upfront money. I'm not taking any money off the table as far as what I've already signed for. And just so people get an understanding, you've told me some really <laughs> interesting stories about this. How often does that happen? And are you in the locker room? Are you aware of it? Like you and I, you know, the defense, you know, have the locker room set up. Mm-hmm. You know, are they, do they know, hey, they went to you. Now they're coming to Sean. Next they're coming to me. Or does that happen behind closed doors and you're not necessarily aware of it unless you hear about it? through social media or, or elsewhere? It happens behind closed doors, but there's always talking. There's always rumors. There's always guys gossiping, things of that nature. I've always been a, a believer in I don't need to know what the next man is making. I'm going to worry about myself. Yeah. And so sometimes when you have these outlets, these media outlets and these, these reporters who are very good at their job and they've got all of these sources that they refuse to give up because they know that they'll give them something that yeah. they can use, you, you'll get the information eventually. And I think for those those veterans, they understand how the business works. They understand that side of it. And if they are in a position where they are a starter and they're a guy that's really needed on that team, then they know if they come to them about restructuring because we used to talk about restructuring means pay cut yep. for most guys in the NFL. So when you talk like that and, and they're coming to you from a position where you've had a good year and the team has had a good year, restructuring means, okay, we need to get some some relief from the salary cap. We're going to give you this money and a bonus, but you're not going to take anything less. And, and to to that degree, most guys are going to be okay with that. But yeah. usually the, the, the word restructure means pay cut. It's really weird, too, professional sports being so unique. I mean, I, you know, I work at a day job, right? Sure. I have no idea what the my peers make. Right. No idea. But I could, if I played for, for the local, you know, whatever professional sports team, you know every penny. I go online. You I, can know see, every penny. I can see all the contracts. I can see every the duration, penny. your signing bonus. I see the whole thing. Every it's penny. out there for everybody. It's crazy. I've, I've never been a fan of that, you know, and I always say, hey, you know, look, do we know the salaries of movie stars? Do we know the salaries of doctors and lawyers? No, we don't. So why do we know professional yeah. athletes? But – Hey, that that's one yeah. of those. I'm gonna. I'm, that's the that's the argument for another yeah. day. We'll we'll discuss that at, a, at another business, time. Business man. Hey, excited on the other side. We'll head to Houston. The guy you know well, My John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. That's coming up next on Training Gross. Welcome back in. Training Gross, the week between the Super Bowl, and as promised, we get out and uh, welcome to the program. Long time. Uh, NFL reporter for the Houston Chronicle, John McClain. John, it's Mike Gross, Bertrand Barry. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing great. And, and, and John, you know, we go way back. You've you covered me from high school all the way up through the end of my career. And uh, it has 
it's been so much fun just just having this relationship now and and to think that it started all those years ago and and now all of a sudden Houston we have a real problem with with a lot of the sports stars actually trying to exit out of my home state what what in the world's going on it's amazing the uh Texans had won four division titles in five years, beat Buffalo in a wild-card playoff game, went to Kansas City, blew a 24-point lead. From that point on, everything's been just headed straight down the toilet. The Rockets uh, beat the in the second round of the playoffs in the Western Division last season. They beat the Lakers in the first round, first game in the second round, went straight down the toilet, and then James Harden, Wanted out. It was a really, really ugly exit, scorched earth, as we called it, in which he demanded to be traded, showed up out of shape, played terribly, and then ripped his team. And then he was traded the next day to the Nets. But the Rockets have won five in a row under new coach Stephen Silas. And then one we knew was coming here George Springer, the Astros center fielder, mm. one mm. of the greatest players in franchise history. Yeah. Uh, you can't pay them all, and uh, they wanted to keep him. They made an offer, but he went to Toronto for $150 million. Now they're trying to re-sign their great shortstop, Carlos Correa. But fans here are depressed. It's not nearly as much fun for the media to cover. And I waited from the day Warren Moon was traded after the 19. 19- 93 season by the Oilers to Minnesota because of this new thing called a salary cap that nobody (laughs) could figure out until Deshaun Watson arrived in 2017. I waited all those years to cover another great quarterback, and I've covered most of the great ones in Houston, going back Dan Pastorini, Kenny Stabler, uh, Warren Moon, Steve McNair, and now Deshaun Watson, and, and he wants to be gone. They say no. This one, most sides are digging in. I don't blame them. They want, don't want to trade him. He wants to go. He's not told us why. We've not heard anything from him. Only sources close to him leaked to the national media that he wants to be traded. But this is going to go on for a while. In the meantime, it's fun to write about the what-ifs. We've been doing it almost every day because yeah. there's so much interest in it. Yeah. Hey, we're visiting with John McClain. He covers uh, Houston sports and uh, good enough to spend some time with us here on the podcast. And what's going on just overall with the Texans? I mean, beyond, uh, you know, what, what the, the story with Deshaun Watson, because I think it, it goes deeper than that, at least from looking out from afar. And you know, we've talked about it on this podcast. I'm from Detroit originally, and I know about bad ownership and bad football. And up until recently, I don't, I don't know that I would have put the Texans in that category necessarily, but then you see some things starting to fall fall apart, and then come to find out, you get a new head coach in town, and the ownership doesn't even come to the press conference. It it just seems like something is going on that's much much deeper than just this Deshaun Watson situation. Well, let me clarify that the owner was right there, okay, sitting off sitting off the side out of the Zoom range. Cal McNair is the owner. He took over for his late dad, Bob McNair. He's been in charge since 2017 when Bob McNair really had to fight skin cancer, and then he died in November 18. So he's been there for four years, two years. They went 11-5, and 10-6, won the division. The worst thing he's done was give Bill O'Brien control of personnel for two years. And O'Brien made some bad trades, especially mm. DeAndre Hopkins. Mm. But until Deshaun Watson wanted out, nobody 
had anything against the owner, Cal McNair. And Watson wants out, not, and the main reason he wants out has nothing to do with Cal McNair. And everything to do is he doesn't want to be here with the executive vice president of football ops, Jack Easterby, who's the most unpopular executive I have seen in sports history in Houston, even though nobody outside the organization, other than people that cover him, know exactly what he does because he doesn't have the power to make a final decision working for the general managers, Bill O'Brien and now Nick Casario, who have it in their contract. They have final say, but he works closely with them in everything involving football ops, and the players don't like him. So Watson hasn't said this because Watson hadn't said anything. And someday in his exit strategy, after they praised the heck out of him Friday in David Culley's introductory news conference, and which they always do, and Nick Casario, who's in charge of everything, said, you know, they, they're not going to trade him. Next day, Watson scrubbed Texans from all his social media platforms and reserved him, refers to himself as the pathway. He really, he's under contract for $156 million through 2005. And most of these problems with players are always involving money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't with James Harden. Harden makes $40 million a year, and he turned down a two-year extension for $50.5 million a year mm-hmm. to get out of town to go to the Nets. And I was, you know, wish him the very best. But in Watson's case, because people think it's because they didn't tell him they were hiring Nick Casario as the general manager. But this runs much deeper than that. I'll guarantee you Watson didn't care about the GM. We talked to him after the season. All he talked about was wanting to be kept up on the head coach. He gave him a few head coaches, doesn't know him personally. Robert Sala and Eric Enemy. he admitted he hadn't met him, but he heard good things about him. And uh, so – since then, when he only talked about the head coach and not the GM, when we ask him about the GM, we know there's something much deeper, and we think that depth is is Jack Easterby, the executive VP of football ops. John, you've been in this you've been in this 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 city for so many years, and you are as as in tune and plugged into what's going on in Houston sports as anybody that I could ever remember. When you think about this situation with Deshaun Watson in your humble opinion how do you see this playing out from a realistic standpoint do you think that there's something that can be said to convince Deshaun Watson to come back or do you see that he's played his last game as a member of the Houston Texans and what is it going to take ultimately to get Deshaun Watson as far as trade value Nick Casario was put in charge of the hire as soon as he was hired from New England and that was not a a personnel director more worthy of a general manager job than Casario. 20 years working with Bill Belichick, six Super Bowl rings. Belichick's right-hand man in many areas, but Belichick always had final say. Now Casario has it, and the hire got universal praise in New England around the NFL, but not here. People here don't like Casario because he came from the Patriots. So did Jack Easterby. So did Bill O'Brien. People want to wash their hands of the O'Brien regime, and you can't do it when you kept Easterby. Everybody wants him fired. He's been blasted locally. Sports Illustrated got into the fray and did two articles on him with un, with uh, 
anonymous sources blasting him, and and the owner, Cal McNair, will not do it. He doesn't want people telling him who to hire and fire, and so he's been stubborn, and Easterby, keeping Easterby around here is working against it. But Casario has all the power. He interviewed seven candidates, and he could have taken the safe route and taken Buffalo defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. He could have taken the popular route and taken Kansas City offensive coordinator as the enemy. But in the first time he's hired a coach, and he went with David Culley from the Baltimore Ravens, never been a coordinator, so what? You don't need to be a coordinator to be a head coach. Uh, John Arbaugh's done just fine uh, when he with Baltimore, and he was always a special teams coach. And so, and Andy Reid, when he was hired, he'd never been a coordinator. So it's rare, but it happens. Cully's older, 65. Well, I think one of the – and he's 65, and he sounds 45. And full of enthusiasm, great guy. Everybody that's ever worked with him respects the heck out of him. And But people are shocked. Why hire this guy? Well, Casario went with the guy that his heart, his gut, told him this is the guy, and they did it. And if it's wrong and it gets both of them fired, then Casario can look himself in the mirror. If you hire somebody you don't want to hire because everybody else is telling them to do it, you know, you shouldn't be in that position. So he, they hired him, and they hired uh, Pepe Hamilton, one of the best quarterback coaches in the NFL, did a tremendous job uh, with Justin Herbert, does done a tremendous job coaching Andrew Luck. I'm stunned that Chargers let him get away, but he did. And we all knew they were going to keep their offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, because Tim Kelly, Watson loves him. Watson praised him to the high heavens all season. Watson had the greatest season of his career, every statistic, despite trading DeAndre Hopkins. So they've got all those guys lined up. The problem is Watson is not getting back to anybody. He hasn't since right after they are Casario and the anonymous sources started leaking. He's mad that he had to hear about it on social media. Can you guys imagine that? Bert, do you imagine that when you were playing to be mad that you had to hear something on social media where you want to leave a franchise paying you $156 million? I don't <laughs> think so. And that's why we think it runs much deeper. But So the owner, Cal McNair, apologized, said, sent an apologetic text say I'm sorry for the miscommunication, but they have not heard from any, from him any other time. I believe after speaking with David Cully and listening to him talk that if he got a chance to sit down with Watson, with Tim Kelly, with Pep Hamilton, maybe Nick Casario and talk to him, they might make a difference. But an agent wanting his client out of town you know, if you put him in that situation, he may start to weaken. His resolve is not as strong as it was. So I, I think this, why force a guy to play? Why wait till the, till he gets fined if he misses the off season program, training camp, preseason? I think his fines will be 3.6 million. And then if he starts missing games, he doesn't get paid. And he doesn't get credit for the season. He's supposed yeah. to make ten million. Next year is when his big contract kicks in, thirty-five million. If he were to sit out, he'd make the ten million next year. The NFL set it up in the last CBA where players they don't want players holding out. The NFL Players Association agreed to 
So it's a lot tougher than when when Bertram Berry played, and mm. and you could with all your services. And when he came in, they'd say, "Okay, wink, wink. We'll let people think you were fine, but we won't find you. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore." So I think my own personal opinion by they've got two and two and a half months before they need to really get serious about this with the draft. If if at some point Watson meets with them in person and looks them in the eye and says to David Culley and those people I mentioned, I, I don't want to be here. Here's the reason. And they talk to him about, okay, what if we do this, this, this? And he says, no. Then to me, you go to the Jets who have the second pick. And he has a no trade clause, but they're one of the teams on his list. And Robert Sala, their new coach, is one of the coaches he had on his list. And you tell the Jets, okay, this is going to be painful. This is going to hurt a lot more than it hurt the Rams to make the deal for Matthew Stafford because there's never been a quarterback in NFL history, 25 years old, coming off the best season of his career, under contract through 2025, a pillar of the community, Mm -hmm. beloved by everybody, who's been traded. So you're going to have to pay more. And what I've suggested they're two ones the next two years. They're two twos the next two years. And they still have Seattle's number ones. So those number ones and twos, which should be high. And then I'd take their two best defensive starters because the Texans defense is awful. Uh, and Quinn Williams and, and safety Marcus May and start there. And if they want you to take Sam Darnold, take Sam Darnold and use that second overall pick on the next best quarterback. And when he's ready to play, you play him over Sam Darnold, and you move on. But uh, the other thing is, people say, what about the Dolphins? Number one, we don't know what Nick Casario thought about Tua Tagovailoa when he was with the Patriots last year scouting quarterbacks. Maybe he loved him. Maybe he'd want a deal including Tagovailoa. But if you take the third overall pick, which Miami got for the Texans in the Laramie Tunsil trade, you're still not guaranteed the second-best quarterback. Then you're down to number three. Justin Fields of Ohio State is represented by David Mulligata, who represents Deshaun Watson. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to be taking Justin Fields. That's why it's got to be the Jets. And if the team balks at the high price, say, look, you can get more defensive players. You can, you got other number one picks. And then three years from now, you'll have all your picks. And you got a great quarterback for 10 or 15 more years. You never have to worry about it. And so that's what you tell them. If Miami and the Jets get involved in a bidding war to see who can get him because they know that would put them in contention for the division, then that might sweeten the pot even more. John McClain from Houston with us on the podcast today talking uh, about the Texans. And, hey, John, uh, in your mind, you know, I think you said it there a bit, but timeline, it sounds like you feel like the time is on the Texan side. You wait it out and see what happens uh, and, and don't feel like you need to get rushed into something. Well, they would not do anything anytime soon. To me, you'd go right up till the April 29th draft. Mm-hmm. If you wait and you force him to come back and play for a team he doesn't want to play for, what 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 good is that? If mm-hmm. you wait until, say, they wanted to trade him in mm-hmm. October because he hadn't showed up, then you don't get the picks till 2022, and it puts you a year behind, and yep. you're not going to get as much. And that's why it's, it's got to be done. But we don't know. They say they have zero interest in trading him. And they're telling the truth. They don't want to trade him. 
Nobody here wants it traded. And they're hoping to be able to work it out. And when you usually work things out, as you guys know, whether it's professionally, personally, one-on-one communication, you can't beat it. But he would have to agree to meet with them. So far, he's not getting back to them. Hey, John, real quickly, before we let you get out of here, and absolutely appreciate your time, uh, Bertram Berry, Humble High School, mm. T- tell us something we don't know. I mean, oh obviously, uh, we're good friends with, with B-Train here. We've you know, <laughs> known him for a number of years and worked with him. But uh, coming out of high school, what, 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 do you, what do you remember about him? Bertram Berry from Humble. Humble. Humble High School. Thank He's a humble honor. guy from Humble High School. And, when he, and he had a lot of offers. And he went to Notre Dame. He was all city. And, and one thing they said about him, coming out of high school, was the same things they say about him today. A great guy who was raised the right way, mm. intelligent, and he always knew he was going to make something out of himself, whether it was in football or not, because there's a lot of great high school players come out of the Houston area, and they thought someday you'll be hearing about Bertram Berry, and they were right. We were, we did, and we still are. John, the check is in the mail, brother. I appreciate those kind words, and we appreciate <laughs> you giving us a few minutes. And uh, definitely have to, to to link up again. I'm sure this story isn't going anywhere, and, and definitely would love to have you on again if, if, if you so choose. It's my pleasure, guys. Anytime, just let me know. And I hope you guys are doing really well, and I hope you had fun watching DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of my all-time favorite players. I tweeted this year several times when everybody's on pins and needles is he going to play? Is he going to play? Because he's not practicing. I told you, he always plays. He <laughs> never misses a game. So just R-E-L-A-N. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Good stuff with John. We appreciate it. And, uh, hey, we'll be right back. Train and gross. Thanks again to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Follow him on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Mm. Good dude, great dude, and a fan of yours. A, a fan of his. He, I'm, I, it's it's a love love relationship. We 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 got a lot of love and respect for each other. There you go. Anybody that's made me look good since seventeen, you you got to have a lot of love. For and him. and you you put it out there uh, the way he was breaking down the uh, Deshaun Watson situation, the Texan situation. We may have him on a couple more times <laughs> before no this question. thing resolves itself. You know, Sean, Sean gave me a note, said, ask him about the timeline, just confirm that. And he said, we'll take this all the way up to the draft if we have to. Yeah. And uh, so that gives us a couple months. And I didn't even get to ask him about J.J. Watt. Like, you know, lost in the churn of everything else that's going on is you've got probably one of the most popular players in Houston history. I don't, you tell me. Uh, Between him and Deshaun Watson, yeah, they're 1-1A. One one might not finish his career as a Texan either. Green Bay Packers, you're on line one. So we'll see. Just Somebody said they'd love to see him in, in uh, Pittsburgh with his brothers, but said that the, the Steelers, with all the needs they have, and they no. have very limited cap space. But, uh, again, subplots going on in Houston. All right, a couple things to get to in uh, kind of our catch-all yeah. segment before mm-hmm. we get to pump the brakes. Phoenix right. Suns, mm. uh, since last we talked, they're 2-1. and one. Um, The night we, we did our last podcast, it was an ugly game. They, they lost at home to, to Oklahoma City, mm. and a guy we spent a lot of time talking about, and I think he was a, a pump-the-break question last week, DeAndre Ayton. I think he had five points in that game. Then they go on the road, and uh, I'm sorry, they beat Golden State. Then they go on the road and beat Dallas. So I think what you're seeing is what they are. 
Yeah. You know, and, and I believe as we speak, they're getting ready to tip off against Dallas in the second half of that uh, back-to-back set in uh, in Dallas. And the Suns are a seventh seed right now if the playoffs started. And that, that feels about right. Yeah. You know, they've I believe they've improved, uh, but it's one step forward, one step back. I won't give it to two steps back, mm. but. Shout out to Janet Jackson. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, I, looking at the Chris Paul effect, I, I really believe that everywhere he goes, he has had a positive effect mm-hmm. on the team. They've gotten better, and the team has gotten tougher. And I think he's done what they've asked him to do thus far. It's going to be up to those individuals, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker. They're going to have to do a little bit on their own. They can't allow Chris Paul to do all of the heavy lifting for them. They have to do their part as well. So uh, we'll see how this goes. The rest of the roster is, is, is going to figure out their roles. And of course, Monty Williams still has the task of, of getting guys their minutes and, and figuring out what type of team he actually has. So it, it's still very early in the season, but time is ticking. I mean, every day that goes by, that's another day towards the end of the season. And, and I think this team presently constituted can get to the playoffs. I don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs, but I think they can get there, which would be a huge plus and a huge win and and, and step in the right direction. Well, and I think we talked about it uh, last time. Uh, Get to the playoffs. Whatever you do to get to the playoffs, that's a huge monkey off your back and something that you've not given this city for 10 years. Mm. You know, know, there's 10-year-old kids running around this town never seen the Suns in in the playoffs. Wow. Never seen the Suns in the playoffs. And a step in the positive direction on that front. Uh, looks like Devin Booker's been cleared to go tonight against Dallas. To your point about everybody else stepping up around Chris Paul, uh, having Book back will obviously, Captain Obvious, mm. <laughs> mm. Will, will make a difference in that regard. So we'll see. Uh, and uh, you don't want to push it. Uh, hamstrings, I don't know, tough, but, hey, mm-hmm. you know, good to have Book back tonight. So we'll keep an eye on that. No Meanwhile, Pac-12. I got somebody called me out on uh, a friend of mine listening okay. to the podcast said I was a little hard okay. on the Pac-12 a week ago. Why is that? So I went and looked but about the fact that you know their national standing in basketball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But so, were you wrong? Uh, it's debatable. Okay. I went and checked Joe Lenardi this morning. Okay. Uh, there's a couple guys that you trust are very consistent when you look. Joe Lenardi actually has five teams from the Pac-12 in the tournament. Should it start today? We're obviously a ways away from that. The two LA schools. Oregon, Colorado, and Stanford, who came in and, uh, and uh, split the, the series with the uh, Arizona schools this weekend. Stanford would be in the Dayton tournament, uh, the, the play-in game. Yeah. So that would be your five. So if they were to get five, if this would carry out, this would be the first time in a long time that they've had that many. My, I'm afraid, Mike, when you start thinking about the NCAA tournament, I think no entity has taken a greater hit during COVID than the NCAA tournament because most people were casual fans of college basketball anyway. Right. And you take away that tournament where everybody starts to tune in and and March Madness, of course, everybody knows that phrase and and everybody fills out the brackets and all that kind of stuff. It almost seems like a forgotten sport. Yeah. And it's going to take a Herculean effort and some great games this year to really bring people's attention back to college basketball because – when you start thinking about the the pecking order of some of the sports and and how they they how they fare in, in the 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 public's eye, man, college basketball was already on life support. I, yeah. Hopefully, they can they can come back and be resuscitated and 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 find a, a nice little groove 
in the pantheon of sports no to watch. question about that i mean you look at they they were right in the teeth of it last year because it was if you recall and, and sean probably remembers this conference tournaments were going on oh. and they literally pulled the plug during uh, games yeah. I, I was so we had our final home game with arizona state the uh the main the most of the staff and players went to vegas they were sure. in vegas right uh, I was going to head out and meet up with them, and I got the call saying, don't, stay. And and it was because they were getting word that the first round of games, I think it was on a Friday, we were going to play on a Saturday. They knew that they were going to shut it down after that Saturday. If it, it, I mean, it's and then the Pac-12, and then the whole uh, tournament, I should say, you know, was, was shortly after that. It was just a wild time. I can't believe it's almost been a year at this it's point already. It's been a year. It's crazy. There's video. There was teams warming up, yeah. yeah, and they called them off the courts, Yeah, not only in the Pac-12 but elsewhere. And to your point, the bread and butter for the NCAA is the college men's college basketball tournament. That's where they get their money from. CBS writes them a big, fat check to broadcast those basketball games. Unlike football, football money does not go to the NCAA. Right. You know, so we just had the bowl games, the BCA. That money goes to conference offices. That's right. So the NCAA doesn't touch that money. Um, they need it. They need it, and, and they need it desperately. But to your point, right, you put it on TV, you've you, you got to capture your fans. And so they're going to do whatever they have to do to keep this tournament on for this year, to keep it, uh, to keep it um, in, in the public eye. Sure. They, they have to. Yeah. They cannot afford two years in a row. $300-plus million dollar loss. Wow. With just the NCAA tournament being canceled. Wow. Yep. You, you absolutely have to find a way to do it, and that's why they're talking about this whole everything in Indianapolis yep. idea because you just can't lose that type of money again. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating and scary at the same time, depending on how you look at it. And, you know, my history in, in college sports, right, I, I worked at the lower levels, Division Two. You know, they'll fly football teams around the country to play Division Two football playoff games, and they do that on the backs of the NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament. It pays the bills for everything else in college football, save college uh, sports. big time. I'm sorry, college sports with the exception of obviously uh, the FBS division. So yeah. it's critical for, for the NCAA. But, you know, I, I would argue more critical than even professional sports because of the way they distribute that money yeah. and, and how they take care of the other schools. So we'll keep an eye on it. But so – my mea culpa, five Pac-12 teams mm. if the season ended today, which, again, I guess is above average. But would any effort. of them be top seeds? Would, would any of them no. be top four seeds? I think UCLA was a top seed, and they were, I believe, on the four line, right? So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Other Pac-12 news, uh, I thought this was fascinating. Uh, they've got the committee uh, from the Pac-12 that's going to search for the new commissioner. Mm -hmm. And uh, the president of Washington State uh, was asked, what's the timeline? Like, is this an urgent matter, or are we going to maybe see this play out to the summertime? And uh, Dr. Schultz uh, from Washington State, he went all academic on him. He said, no, 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 no. We need to get it done this semester. Wow. <laughs> so he's, ta <laughs> wow. he's talking school terms <laughs> yes. to, to get a replacement in for Larry Scott. So I think that shows to the point about, you know, what, what has been said on the outside about where the Pac-12 is in relationship to the other Power Five uh, conferences, that that's a tacit acknowledgement on, on their part, now that they've cut ties with Larry Scott, that this thing needs to get fixed, and it need, needs to get fixed your term, quick, fast, in a hurry, mm -hmm. because you can't afford to fall back any further. No, you really can. And, and the thing that, that is so disturbing is when you start looking at regular season college basketball, most people don't really care about regular season 
college basketball. And it's sad to say because as a kid, I grew up loving college basketball and every dribble I, I was entertained by and, and I wanted to see every team do everything that they could. I was a U of H fan. I was a Big East fan. I used to love uh, the, the Big East when they would go at it, the, the, the Syracuses, the Georgetowns, the St. John's, all those type of teams, the North Carolina Dukes, all those type of situations. And now it just seems as if we have so many – things that distract us we only care once you get to cbs and and that that marsh madness tournament so yeah it, i want to see it brought back but i'm not sure how it could be brought back in order to satisfy those those real purists like myself who just love to watch basketball in competition you know what i think is really set back the ncaa especially the ncaa tournament is the one and done factor of college basketball there used to be a time when you would know going into the tournament different players because yeah. you've been watching them for two, three, four years. The one and done factor. I mean, the, the NCAA tournament is now when we're introduced as a as a, a a nation to the majority of these players at for the first time. You know, you don't have those rivalries where guys have now met up once or twice. You know what I mean? Like you think back to to for for my childhood, sure. it would be the Dukes and the sure. you know, Christian Leitners of the world no going three, four years in a row, and you got you know you know these names, you know these people. Uh, for me, the, the the lack of attention in college basketball around the country is well, stems just from that. We don't know who these. There's no rivalries anymore. There's you don't know these guys. And to be perfectly honest, the overall play of the game has significantly significantly taken a hit because yeah. guys just. You mean everybody wants to shoot the three? Well, not only that, but you just don't. You mean you're, you're you're seeing guys who are 18 years old, and the, you know, if you're a top tier talent, you're done. Well, whose fault you is know? that though? It's awful. That's not I, a, I, it's I not an NCAA it. rule. That's an yeah. NBA. It's an NBA rule. But yeah. you could you could come. I mean, what are you for supposed instance, to, if you're the NCAA, what's your fix? Tell those kids they can't come. No, I mean you can't. I mean I don't know what you do if you're if you're the NCAA. I mean because I, I understand the, it. Yeah, I, the, I get it. The baseball rule for NCAA to me makes the most sense. But again, that's a major league it's baseball. It's a major league rule. baseball thing. But if you you know if you commit to a college, you're there for three years. Mm-hmm. You you can come out now, but you, if you commit to a college, it's three years for you. That to me makes so much sense for that's both, just like football for both parties. That's well, just like foot, football. Football is three years removed from high school, regardless because of the physical nature of the game. Okay, but it's still three but, years. Uh, but, and, but and how great is it? Because you see these guys like like ETN and who is it great for though? Game. Is it great for the individual or is it great for fans who just want to watch their their well, good old alma mater? It depends because think about who's the guy I'm having a uh, why I'm having a brain fart here. Uh, Ohio State running back Maurice Claret. Thank you, Maurice Claret. Remember, he thought he was ready after one year, setting all kinds of records in college. And what happened once he, he lost the battle? Once in he court, won, though. but once he got in, he couldn't hang. He couldn't handle it. He was what with Denver? Yeah, yeah he, he was with Denver. It. But that, but that was more of of a guy that was was he was battling demons alongside. Sure. So go back to Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, the 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 Minnesota Vikings. Adrian Peterson, not mm-hmm. the Georgia State. Adrian Peterson. The one that was with Oklahoma, the guy that went for 1,900 yards his freshman year, yeah. he was ready to come out. Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, these guys were grown men at, at the, in their freshman year, and they were ready to play at that next level. Those are anomalies. Those are guys yeah, that's that, what that I was about to say. They're, they're, they're not the norm. But when you, if, if you're going to say from a physical standpoint – sweeping across the board, that's not fair because there are some guys that are ready to take that next step. Yeah, Calvin sure. Johnson, he was a grown man at, at Georgia Tech. He was ready to go to that next but, level. Randy Moss, these type of guys. But I go back to it. 
like uh, that is not an NCAA problem. It's a pro problem. It's it a pro is problem. a pro sport yes. problem. Yes, you know, and and, and to, to your them, point, like they sued, they didn't sue the NCAA. They sued the NFL. That's right. Yeah. And the one and done is is I I, I get it. It's a it's an issue because what are you if you're the NCAA, what are you going to do? I don't think there's anything you can't. You do. can't. But yeah. Sam, you, what are you going to do? Stay out. Because let me come. ask you this: because you, as a coach, can decide not to recruit that type of player. Yeah. You yeah, know. Good luck with that. Well, no, but it's. I mean, to that point, like you you have, compete. You've got to compete, and you've got to be a good judge of of talent to say, look, yeah. I know for a fact you're a one and done type player, but you're not. So I'll recruit you, right. and hopefully have you for four years, and get back to what I think you're talking about. And then that one and done player is going to come back and beat your brains out. For beat that your one brains year. out, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If certain schools can recover from that. Like, like, listen, for for not all the time. Just though. bring it here locally. Arizona State's got two, not one, but two, who might go one and done this year in Bagley and Christopher, and they're not the Dukes and the Kentuckys of the world who you can just replace that in a single season. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. almost kind of – almost like a setback. That, Either way, I just know that you're a basketball guy like myself, love college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be perfectly honest, the last decade and a half. Eh. But people had the same issue you know? about guys that just skipped college altogether, the Kobe Bryants, the Kevin I, Garnetts, and all those guys. They said that that would be the end of college yeah. basketball. They survived that. Sure. You got the one and done now where you go and you're frustrated because these guys only spend a year – when you start trying to tell guys when they can leave, they're going to always try to find ways to usurp yeah, that rule. Yeah, sure. So Absolutely. Just let them do what they're going to do, and, and everything will, will, will start to settle and, and, and work its way out. And as a program, you figure it out. But going back to the NCAA tournament, what are the great stories you remember about the NCAA tournament? I mean, unless the you're – The upsets. The upsets, the big moments. Florida Gulf Coast College or, you know, all right. these stories that you see, the 16 beats the one that's happened one time. It was time, the uh, Chicago – The 15-2. Uh, Loyola. Loyola. Yeah. Chicago that right. had the none on the – yeah. yeah. Those are the stories – Sister that the, Jean, right? Yeah, those are the stories about the NCAA tournament that you remember. And then you remember the great individual players, of course, that, of course. that did that. So you can have those things simultaneously – and I think that's what the NCAA needs to have the tournament for, whether it's in Indianapolis this year or in the future when it's spread out, is those stories that you love to see. Yeah. The guy that's here coaching ASU now mm-hmm. is part of NCAA lore forever because mm-hmm. of what happened when he was playing for his dad. Four years. And At he was Duke, there though. for four years. Gonzaga typically is a four-year type of uh, commitment. And, and the other thing that I think is funny is that sometimes you're going to get burned. And there was an article that was out there that got universally panned here locally because it talked about Bobby Hurley being on the hot seat. And they're like, oh, that's clickbait. And that may or may not be true. But buried in there was the fact that this is a down year for some of the big programs. And it's not because of COVID. Mm. It's because they guessed wrong on the one and done. Yep. Duke, mm. North Carolina. Yeah. You know, you look at programs like that that typically are in that conversation every yeah. year Kentucky. that are out. And they yeah, rolled Kentucky the dice. I mean, what was it one year that you know during the Devin Booker years about how many guys from Kentucky were rolling through Lexington and being first round draft picks? So, he wasn't even a starter that year, right? Wow. So when it works in your favor, it's a beautiful thing. When it kind of goes against you, yeah. eh, it's not so much. Yeah. All right. You ready? Time, I'm ready. I'm always ready. This is the favorite the part of the show. I'm always Let's ready. Do to it. We do everything else is just window dressing to <laughs> pump the brakes. <laughs> right, we'll step aside on the other side. Pump the brakes. Pump it, baby. Welcome back in Train and Gross. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at Train and Gross. See me yelling at Sean. (laughs) (laughs) We're already pumping them. (laughs) Way. Way. 
Are you ready to do this? We got to keep track. Remember, I, I was telling you about the, the, the biggest dead cat. We'll, we'll keep track of the longest podcast. Right? <laughs> we're, I think we're there today. Yeah, thanks, to, thanks to John, but we really appreciate him jumping on the program today. All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to do this one. This first one is not for you, Gross. Okay. Well, maybe. We can wow. maybe spin it from the, from the fan side of things. Okay. Pump the brakes or not, this time of year, you can't help but relive every single moment of the Super Bowl you played in. Oh, pump the brakes. Really? Pump the brakes. You can you only you only relive the moments when they're good when you win. Oh, when so you, you lose, <laughs> you look take it from a guy that lost the Super Bowl. I you know, really tried not to relive all of those moments. That was such yeah, gross. He was in a Super Bowl if you didn't know that. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm telling you, congratulations, B. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The funny thing about it is, you know, watching ESPN and I and I I'm I'm learning not to like ESPN very much because Ryan Clark is one of their main analysts, right, yep. for the NFL. And, and yep. of course, Ryan Clark was the starting safety he and Troy Polamalu for the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. the year we went, Super Bowl 43. And so this week, they have leaned on him heavily to talk about his moments in Super Bowls. He played in two, one, yeah. one lost one. And so, of course, they always want to remember the one that he won, mm-hmm. which is the one that I lost. Anybody ask him where he was when Larry split the safeties, took out, where, where was he on that? Yeah, I actually got to interview him, and oh, I asked right? him Did about that. Did you ask that. him that? I asked him that very question, and they were in two, they were in two man. Yeah. And they both made mistakes, and they both went out. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I really don't try to relive those moments because they are very painful. And – it was a great game. I was. I'm, I'm proud to have been part of one of the more competitive games in, in Super Bowl history. One of the more memorable ones, uh, no yeah. doubt. And and there will always be a certain amount of pride. But I lost. And when you lose, it, it is such a different memory than a guy that's coming from it at a perspective of you won it and sure. and, and you were able to finish the deal. What do you do when the NFL Network's rerunning the stuff? I t- I change the channel. I can't watch it. I, I've only seen this. I've only seen that game one time, and that was only a half. I could not watch the second half. And you know, I don't even. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Bruce Springsteen who did the halftime show of my Super Bowl. I like, think it I was the longest that. halftime. I heard somebody. I think it was Wolf talking about it. It was the longest halftime in Super Bowl history, too. So you guys, and coming off that play. Yes. You guys had to go and stew on that for yes. 25, 30 minutes you know what from we the did? James Harrison you know, you know what we did? We took showers and we ate Subway sandwiches. Are you serious? That's what went down? Yeah. I mean, it, we were in there for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. 45 guys, minutes. Guys took showers, full Damn. showers, and I ate a full meal. I ate a foot-long <laughs> <laughs> roasted chicken. <laughs> 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 with that chips, remember. with that, chips that, and a drink, and I went back out there in the second half, and we balled out. Yeah, we, you did. We forgot about the, the first half. So <laughs> maybe it was a good thing then. Yeah, okay, all right. But, yeah, you know, that, that whole last two minutes and 27th, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hey, okay. we don't got to go down there. I just, you know, I just – I'm just being a football fan here in Arizona, yeah. still remember, think about that almost every time the Super Bowl comes up. Pump, so I pump the brakes for me for my part. I, I, I agree with my part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, didn't mean to bring up old, talk about bringing up old stuff. You said that earlier, but uh, okay. Here's an article on ESPN. This is for both you guys. Article on ESPN today ranking the path to the Super Bowl for all 32 teams, and mm-hmm. it kind of has them in tiers as to where they stack up and how far out they are for a Super Bowl appearance. The Arizona Cardinals fall under the tier on the ESPN article of one year out. 
pump mm. the brakes or not, the Arizona Cardinals are one year out from being a Super Bowl contender. Mike Gross. Pump the brakes. Yes, sir. <laughs> pump them again. I'll hit him again. I read the article and I said, Hold up. Yeah. So what did you say? Uh, yeah. They are, look, all kinds of questions. No, I don't, I don't see how they do it, particularly when you look at the division this team's. Last time I checked, they're still in a pretty good division. I mean, you talked about what's going to happen. San Francisco gets healthy if they get a quarterback that they want there. We already talked about where the Rams are. And they oh, just my, got a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, by the way, the Seahawks are still, still the there. Seahawks. Yeah. So, number one, just from that stand, vantage point, it's a hard row for this team. And, look, I have huge questions about this roster. Yeah. Absolutely huge questions about this roster that need to be addressed. And we talked about it a minute ago when we were talking about the Rams and what the salary cap is. You don't have a lot of maneuverability this year. So, no, pump the brakes. Pump, pump. Now, they're not anywhere near the bottom feeders when you look no. at some of the teams that have problems because what you do have is a franchise quarterback. Yes. And you've got him a, a wide receiver that he obviously likes working with. And a premier pass rusher you've as got of some, right now. You've, you've got, got some pieces. pieces. Yeah. But so they're in the, they're a middling type team for me, whatever that would be on the ESPN list. Okay, pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. Let me just run them down. Are they going to be better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No. Are they going to be better than the New Orleans Saints? No. Are they going to be better than the Green Bay Packers? No. Are they going to be better than the, the Seattle Seahawks? No, and the Rams. Are they going to be better than the Los Angeles Rams? No. Okay, you're so. You're already on the outside looking in. You're, you're, you're going, and not, I'll, 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 I'll go one better. They're not going to be better than a healthy 49ers team. Whether or not they even improve on Jimmy Garoppolo, you're not better than a healthy 49er team. That's a team you couldn't win against in week 16 when you had to have one, and they rolled out a backup quarterback who had no business on the field. And you, and you couldn't beat him at home. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'll am gonna, i go into next year saying you're not better than any of the three teams in your own damn division. Wow. So That's the, tough. the next category that they have is two years and out. For this, and and that feels better to me. It does, especially with the teams they have in that Chargers, that, Cowboys, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Dolphins, they, right? that that's the tier. I feel a little yeah. bit but more. You, but you but you have to think about the NFC. You've got to get out of the conference first yep. before you yeah. start talking about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You've got to win the NFC first, and you think about those teams that I just ran off, about four or five of them. Yeah. What what, what are we talking about here? Right. I think Hold we're in yeah. That's what we're talking right. about right there. Yeah, so no, sorry, ESPN, can't agree with you. Uh, Danny Amendola made headlines. I don't know if you saw this. Danny Amendola, wide receiver, former Patriots wide receiver. Let me read you this quote. When you see the Patriot way, as they're saying out there in New England, the Patriot way, when you see the Patriot way in the dictionary, it's got Tom Brady's picture next to it. None of those coaches caught any passes. Tom Brady is the Patriot way. Ooh. Pump the brakes or not on Danny Amendola's statement about his old team and his old coach. I'm not pumping the brakes no, on that. I'm going to roll with it yes, because we, we're watching Tom Brady prove everybody wrong by the simple fact that his team is going to be hosting a Super Bowl in his new team's home stadium, which has never been done in the history of the NFL. So Tom Brady kind of is the Patriot way, and you look at how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick fare. Now, granted, he didn't have the roster, and he had a lot of guys opt out for COVID and all those type of situations. I understand that. But for Tom Brady to be in a Super Bowl the very next year he parts ways with his old coach, 
kind of let you know that Tom Brady had a lot to do with the success in New England. And hearing comments like this from Damian, Danny Amendola and others, it, it shows like like the the freedom to speak out against the coach. <laughs> Once you get out, now, kept everybody now, now, now after the fact that kept everybody under his thumb while they were there. They were winning. Yeah, they were winning games, I winning put Super Ju- Bowls. I want to put Julian Edelman under a lie detector test, though. Yeah. Would he say the same thing? <laughs> he's still there. He he. Hey, he's privately behind the closed doors saying, help me. <laughs> <laughs> Up front, if he's in TV today talking about it, because oh, I love it here. It's the greatest. <laughs> but it, it, I, it, it's that – Almost like a, 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 a freedom to speak out now that, that guys are out. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gronk's out there this morning talking about how he got one over on the coaches, changing shirts on video when he was running, running a sprint. Running he would have never pulled that in New England. Mm. But how do you not know Gronk is Gronk, though? I mean, He's really? Good. Yeah. Dude, 6'7 he... and the monster. Like, right. you, There's not very many Gronks rolling out there. Well, he's talking about running in different colored shirts. So it's like, hey, there's a red shirt. But okay, so he's doing it every day? Yeah. Oh, uh, come on. Next one. We're, we're recording this on Monday. Yes, sir. So yesterday should have been the NFL Pro Bowl. Pump the brakes or not, you missed it. As in, it wasn't there, so you I missed it. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I'm going to say the, the Pro Bowl that I went to was the greatest honor of my career. Mm-hmm. Other than the Super Bowl, because it's a team sport, the Pro Bowl was the biggest honor that I had the opportunity to participate in because of my story, how I was out of the league, yada, yada, yada. The Pro Bowl has become a joke. Mm. And I don't like how it was played in the last couple years because it was made a mockery. It was offensive linemen lining up as wide receivers and, and all these gadget plays and nobody giving any effort whatsoever. Michael Jordan his last uh, All-Star game, he went to every single player on that court and said, play it out. He wanted to go out with a real game Mm -hmm. in an All-Star game. In that moment, he wanted to go and show what he could do against the best of the best. Pro bowlers, you're not going 100%, but you got to give more than what they've given the last five years. So if they were going to continue to do what they've done in recent history, I'm cool with it not being played. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you uh, on that thing. Um, my daughter uh, had season tickets to the Cardinals a mm. uh, couple years. Long story short, brought made me happy. You know, my daughter. The Pro Bowl was in Arizona one year, and the year that she had the tickets was the Pro Bowl year here. Yeah, and she got tickets for Christmas and gave them to me. Wow! And so we went to the Pro Bowl together. So wow. it was a nice memory. Uh huh. The game, the game wasn't great. Like I remember sitting there, <laughs> and. I, you ready to go? Yeah. You ready? To- <laughs> you you know, even when the Cardinals were bad, yeah. the stadium was loud. There's a yeah. certain energy for yeah. a real game. Yeah. It was, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, the, it was nice because they were getting it ready for the Super Bowl, uh, you know. But no, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I usually tune in. Not gonna lie. Full. I, I can't tell you the last time I tuned in. Yeah. You know, and I thought it was funny. You know, apparently Kyler was the uh, MVP, MVP of the uh, Madden, Madden Bowl. Madden Bowl MVP. I mean, yeah. What are we talking about? Video games? Video yeah. games. They played video games yesterday in light in, in place up because Ma- of the pandemic. Marshawn Lynch broke a chair apparently. He did. He got yeah. excited about interception. He jumped up, broke his chair on the way down. That's what we're doing. Yeah. That's what we're doing.
So we happening. went to you from from what you're talking about with uh, what offensive lineman playing wide receiver to playing video games. Hold up. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Our last one right. before we get out of this very very extended edition of Trainer Gross. Uh-huh. Uh You know I got to go with some pop culture stuff, and we like right, to talk on. a lot of food here, right? Here we go. Here. So apparently, Lucky Charms, as oh, in the cereal, yeah. they're magic. If delicious. you finish your bowl of Lucky Charms, all the different dyes from the different marshmallows creates like this grayish sludge color, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't eaten Lucky Charms in a long time, but they're coming out with, they're rolling it out here, uh, actually starting right now for St. Patrick's Day coming up next month, where it'll it'll combine together and create a nice green milk for you to finish after you eat your Lucky Charms instead of the gray sludge. So, pump the brakes or not, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the best milk to drink after cereal. Um, Pump the brakes. What? How can you pump the brakes on that? Which one beats it? I got two. It tastes like horchata. It's amazing. I'm going to go Cocoa Crisp. Oh, come on. Chocolate milk, brother. Come on. That's not bad. It's not bad. Chocolate milk. Come on, cinnamon and oh, it's just so good. Cinnamon is good, but it's just nothing, so good. Not, nothing beats chocolate in my world. You okay. know this. You <laughs> yeah. know how much of a chocolate. Every time I we am. come in, we get new. It, we get new. Come chocolate. on. Apparently, he's a chocolatier. Yes, that's, that's what right. we heard last week. Yeah. Chocolatier, baby. <laughs> Talk about it. Gross. You can't beat Apple Jacks and Apple. Golden Grams. Both better. Hold up. Golden Grams up there. I'll even go Fruit Loops. The milk? The Fruit, milk. Loop, Fruit Loops might be a better don't, cereal overall. Don't sleep on the milk. And back to your original point, the Lucky Charms milk is nasty. Is it? See, I'm not a Lucky Charms guy. I'm going to even go my all-time favorite cereal of all time, Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes, the, the milk from Frosted Flakes? Come on now. It's, it's, it's still white. It's still sugary. <laughs> What? Mm-mm, no. It's what? Not, no. There's so many better options. Oh. There's just so many better options. You're killing me, Smalls. So you're going Apple Jacks. Or Golden Who's the last somebody ate Apple Jacks? About the last time I ate Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but can we just get – I'm, I'm just, getting to that age where it's like all brand. And just, <laughs> yeah. like can, we, can we get away from drinking milk altogether, though? Because, I mean, you know, uh-huh. the, the, the whole situation with milk, that, that's, that's – <laughs> yeah. Hold up. Hold, all right. Hold up. All right. We're pumping the brakes. Yeah, here. there you go. Um, we didn't even talk about the Super Bowl. We did. We we did a. We got to get our picks. We did a marathon podcast here today. Mm-hmm. We did not even do the Super Bowl. I mean, there's a lot going on, man. Sports a lot is, going is, on. is. I guess good. we'll just we'll just look in the rearview mirror next week. No, no, no. We do have to. Are lock we going to do in. some predictions. We, no, we have to lock it in. Do we have okay, to do? This is the last time we're doing a show before the game, so I need predictions. Mm. I need a winner and a score. Wow. My my personal my gut feel. <laughs> I'm not a gambler. I think Kansas City is going to win again, and I th- but I think it's going to be high scoring. And I haven't seen the weather for Tampa. Hopefully, it's going to be dry. Rain is in the schedule. Oh, heavy rain? Uh, or I just, I just rain? saw rain is in the schedule. It's all I saw mm-hmm. on Twitter. So, I don't know. the. No. I'll look it up right now for you guys. No. That's all right. While Get, you're talking. I'm, I'm going to go Kansas City 35. Wow. Tampa Bay 24. Wow. I'm, I think that's probably over the over, Roger. What? Wow. Okay. 35-24. Uh, because I have people that would kill me if I picked against them. I'm going to go Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go 28-24. 20, I like that. I think it's high scoring as well. 
because you got a quarterback that was just there last year. You got a coaches who have both been there. Wait, wait, wait. We wait, got wait. one quarterback that's been there ten times, so those jitters won't be there to start the game. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's you, you started, you were starting to lose. You like you got a quarterback that was just last year. I mean, the other one has been there nine other time, times. Yeah. So, mean. but that's what I'm getting at. So you know those jitters where you know you start with the three and out and a couple yeah, no, punts ain't no. gonna happen. These two are gonna hit the ground running. I think you get a high scoring game here. I think it's the uh, Chiefs win it though. I think the Chiefs win it somewhat easy. Uh, I, I could see a, a 38, 30, or a, let's go, let's go, let's go 41. Ooh, let's go wow. four. Yeah, it's high score. Let's go 41, 31. Chiefs win. Think about this. Tom Brady has a ring for each finger now. He, he's going to be like Mr. T <laughs> when you start talking <laughs> about you know rings. As, I mean, his trophy case is going to be outstanding. Fifty six percent chance of rain. Oh. Sixty eight degrees for a high. Oh. Yeah, on Sunday, uh, in which Tampa, means, in Tampa, Florida, which means when you're kicking off, it's probably going to be 40s. Oh, damn, 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 damn. Uh, and the over/under is 56 and a half. I know. I blew that away. Yeah, me too. So blew by I 20. Was, I was right, right there. I was in the mix. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to do it. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at mm-hmm. Training Gross, and uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, follow us, uh, whatever you or wherever yeah. uh, you get your podcast. But we'll see you next time on Training Gross. I holla.